So, we went through chapter 12 last week, and so we, we, fin- we finished the second half of all of the, uh, the plagues that, that, that God brought on the Egyptians in order for the children of Israel to leave, and we ended with chapter 12, for, for, and that's how they plundered the Egyptians, which the Egyptians, the, the way they plundered the Egyptians was, here, take all this stuff. Here, take our stuff and go. Um, that's not the way you normally think of plunder. You normally think of Vikings or pirates or something like that, but that's plunder. But that's how they, that's how it happens when God does it, is you get all the benefits without uh, having to pay a price for it. So, um, we're in Exodus chapter 13 now. This, of course, is children of Israel getting out of Egypt. Uh, they were there for 400 years. And I mean, you, you got to think about what all that means. If they were there for 400 years, they've never been anywhere. They lived in the land of Goshen and they didn't go anywhere else. For 400 years, they didn't go to, we, we don't have the temple and we don't have any of that stuff yet. That doesn't happen until Mount Sinai when, when, uh, Moses gets the Ten Commandments and everything. So th- there's not this annual trek to go do their religious duties. They lived 400 years here and didn't go anywhere. They lived in the land of Goshen, which was, uh, a, a, okay. So this is, pardon? Land of Goshen. Who's, did your mom say that? Land of Goshen. Land of Goshen. Yes. <laughs> so, um, the Nile comes down here. That's the Nile River. Um, uh, and Cairo is here now, and uh, all the the pyramids and stuff are in here. The Goshen was a land, it's a low area where a lot of water from the Mediterranean kind of seeps in there, and it's a swampy area that they kind of lived in. They didn't go anywhere else. They And so the idea of moving two million people from here, and he's been told to go to Mount Sinai, it's over 250 miles to get to there. If you're an elite hiker, doing 10 or 15 miles a day is a big deal. Moving 2 million people, I don't see how they could move more than 10 miles, 6, 7, 8, 10 miles a day. So it's going to take them, uh, how long is that? It'd take 25 days if they did it 10 miles a day. So it's going to take them at least a month to get there, right? So for, to move out of the um, the land of Goshen and get across here is a few days' journey, just just to get over on this side. But what they, I, I think that what they do is they come. Let me. There's, there's not even one million people in the Oklahoma City area. Yeah, right. So you're talking about. Two times that many people. And then move them. Walking. Yeah. <laughs> All but people. But with, How, and what's 250 it. miles away? Um, huh. Austin or something. Take them all the way that far away. Um, so, so I think that what they did is that they, they cross here and get on this side. So the, the Red, this is actually the Red Sea. Whatever that is, that's not, I don't think that's a part of what's going on. Um, 
because if they had crossed the Red Sea, that would have been way down below. It's not the same Red Sea as what they're talking about here. Now, I, and I'm telling you, all, I, I want to discuss all this beforehand before we get into it. They also talk about it being the Reed Sea. And they lived in, they probably had, like, we have swampy areas here. What do you call that? Um, up water, what do you call a swamp? Where the, mar, yeah. Okay, marsh is a type of, of land, and uh, the EPA controls that. If you have a marsh grow up, they want to protect the waterfowl that live there and stuff. And it's not like a, it's not just like having a pond. They they consider that a protected deal. I think that they lived in some of that kind of swampy area here. But and so some people say, well, that what God put sent them across was the Reed Sea, and so a, a wind could push that up. And after after Hurricane Katrina, we saw what happened with Lake Pontchartrain. Um, the the eye of the storm turning like it did pushed the water up. In, I mean, it lowered the water in Lake Pontchartrain and increased the water in all of the um, in all the canals and stuff around New Orleans. Uh, so that could happen, but uh, the Pharaoh and his Pharaoh and his army couldn't have been drowned in a just swampy area, uh, and there was walls of water on either side. I, I'm I mean, stuff could happen, but they can't be drowned in a foot of water, two yeah. feet of water, or something like that. So here we go. I start with that. Get that out of the way. Chapter 13. Um, we're going to move along. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast. It is mine. Um, okay. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord, uh, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. That We had that in chapter 12 too. So he, he's saying this over and over again. Why would he say it over and over again? He wants them to know it. <laughs> Number one, he wants them to know it. And okay, so I know it right now. What's the other? I don't, he doesn't want us to forget it. Right. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens um, with that. He continues on. Seven days. Seven days you shall eat of the unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast of the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. That's, it says that twice in two sentences. And no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. Don't even keep it in the house. And you shall tell your son in that day saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when, for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in, in its season from year to year. Um, <clears throat> that it shall be a sign between your eyes and on your, on your forehead and on your hand. 
What did what does that mean? It, I don't it think might it was be in your mouth. It's what? It said that it might be in your mouth. Okay. They but, were to look at it and read it, evidently. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 when we say uh, that somebody got shot right between the eyes, it's an obvious thing. The, um, I don't know if they were supposed to put it on a magnet on their refrigerator or, or what the deal. It was supposed to be in front of them, though. Yeah. Um, and it's obvious. I mean, it, you know, all the things I do with my hand, the, um, there are a lot of things that the Koreans did with their left hand and other things they do with their right hand. And, and when they hand something to you, they hand it to you with both hands. The idea of your hand is it's so obvious. Um, he just wants it to be at their forefront. But the Jews took that weird literally, and they had those things called phylacteries. They would actually tie a headband around them and have a box that had scripture in it. And the same thing, they'd have it like a watch on their hand and, and do that kind of thing. They took it literally, and but then they wouldn't do the 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 heart of what it really meant. They they put it right on their forehead, and then they'd forget about it. And they certainly didn't do what was written in the box. So uh, keep this ordinance in his season. Over and over he tells them, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you before your fathers and gives to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have. The male shall be the Lord's, every animal. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. So apparently, the, the, all of these firstborns, they were supposed to kill them and sacrifice them. But there's a rule that, I mean, horses and donkeys and stuff like that, you couldn't do that. It was somehow, I mean, it was looked on as bad, like kill, or killing your dog or something like that. So you'd redeem that one with a lamb and you'd sacrifice the lamb instead of sacrificing the donkey. And, uh, and if you won't redeem it, then you shall break its neck. I think that means break the donkey's neck. I don't know how that accomplishes what. I don't understand that. But, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So you don't sacrifice them. Don't you break their neck. You, and don't break their neck either, Jeff says. Uh, so redeem those sons. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? That you, that's manna, by the way. That's the word ma, mana. Um, what is this? And you shall say to him, by the strength of the hand, of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when a Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn. So that whole firstborn ritual was to remind them that, that, uh, the firstborn of the Egyptians were sacrificed and the, but the firstborn of all the Israelites were saved. Uh, both firstborn of man and firstborn of beast. So all those died. Therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. It shall be a sign on your hand and as a frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. <coughs> strength of hand. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. So the Philistines live up here along the coast. Um, when, uh, when Israel is a country, that's where the Philistines still live. And um, that's where... 
all the wars that they had with the Philistines, they lived on that, they lived along the Mediterranean here. Uh, so they don't go by the way of the Philistines, which have been the quickest way to get over there, right? God told them to do something different though. Um, Although that was the nearest, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. If, they, if they're worried, I mean, they're, a bunch of little things are going to happen and they're going to get upset about it. So God said, I know that it, once war comes, they'll never follow through. So don't go that way. Go this other way. So God led people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and we're not sure exactly what that is. The children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath 400 years before, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Otherwise, they would have taken him and buried him where Sarah was. No, uh, I'm sorry, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. Rachel, yeah. Uh, where they had buried her. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. So cloud during the day and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. What does that mean? Does it mean that they actually walked day and night? I can't imagine, but it may also mean that God was with them day and night. Well, they God was pillar of fire and the cloud by day, and that separated them from what the mean stuff. From the what's yes, <laughs> that doesn't happen yet though. He's in front of them. But he's the talking whole. about it there. He's in front of them all the way, and I don't know if it means that God just went with them day. Yeah, so God was with them day and night. What whether the, I don't think that you you couldn't make two hundred. Yeah. Two million people walk day and night forever, and not for over a month. You, you got kids, and you got, I mean, eventually. What? Yeah, but it said that they went day and night. But it, that may just mean that God was with them going. Is this the scripture where it said when they stopped, they had to move? Uh huh. Yeah. That's what I think. Okay, so. So as to go by day, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Uh, okay, so that's chapter 13, chapter 14. Now we come into the good stuff. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. And we don't, those Cities don't exist anymore, and they don't even know where those cities were. Um, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. Their wilderness has clo- The wilderness has closed in them. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he'll pursue them. And I'll gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So they go up and they camp. I think somewhere in here, somewhere in here, above, above the um, Gulf of Suez, which is here, above the Red Sea, the Negev is that, is that kind of triangular shaped. The Negev is the desert, uh, the wilderness. <coughs> that's, that's what Negev means, and they still call it the Negev now. 
Um, this triangular kind of shaped area that separates Egypt from the Israel area, but that is a desert. The whole thing is. It was 3,000 years ago, and it still is today. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the Suez Canal. Remember um, <laughs> last year, the year before, when that big old tanker got stuck sideways and blocked the Suez Canal for like a week or two, uh, and it was a whole big deal? It's so weird because you just got this desert, and, a, and it looks like a ship is floating through the desert. It's absolutely just the way we, I mean, we don't have any desert in the United States. We call some stuff, you know, the Arizona desert or something like that. It doesn't look anything like the desert there. It looks like what you think about movies. Yeah, we see nomads all alone there. Uh huh. Y'all did? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. So well, it's just all sand. Years ago. So can you imagine, 3,000 years ago, you're one of the children of Mary, and you're just walking. It's just desert, desert, desert. And you get between, you come up against the Red, the Red Sea, Reed Sea, whatever it was, this, this place that's of water, and it's got to be deep water. Because they could have slogged across the, a marshy area. They've lived in the land of Goshen, and they're used to the marshes. That's where they got the grasses that they used, the, the mud that they made the bricks with. All of that came out of there, so they're used to that kind of stuff. It wouldn't, that wouldn't worry them. Whatever it was, it was deep enough water that it was a big problem. So, so we're looking at that. They're camped along there. Um, the, the Pharaoh's saying things like, Man, they've never been anywhere, just like I said. 400 years they've been here. They haven't ever gone anywhere. They get out in that desert. They're not going to know what to do. Let's, let's go back and get them. Um, now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of the Pharaoh and his servants had turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this? Why have we done this? They forgot. <laughs> how, my, how easily they forget. very short it's only been a few days. I really think it's only been days. Um, Weeks at the most. I don't think it's been over a week. I think it's been three or four days. And they go, and they say to themselves, why have we done this? How can you forget? For one thing, you got firstborn of all those kids. They just finished their funerals. Um, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. Well, for one thing, with once they had to wash their own dishes, they may have thought something about it. Um, so he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. So this is like Sherman tanks. I mean, or, or M1 Abrams. He's taking their, their Bradley fighting vehicles and they're going after the 600 of them and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Now, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. I'm not sure about that. didn't sound too bold to me. That may have been what the Pharaoh thought about, that they, that they, they think they're so smart and they just... They just trotted right out of here and took all our stuff with them. That may have been what Pharaoh's thinking, but the children of Israel never seemed very bold. But, but they're camped along here, and, and God has told Abraham, you're going to see how I'm going to deliver them. I delivered them in Egypt. I'm going to deliver them in the desert too. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of the Pharaoh, his horse 
horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Haroth before Baal-Zephon. So I think it's somewhere up here above the Great Bitter Sea, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So they're, they're camped along here, so God is going to show off for them, right? But when the Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, oh, I'm, uh, oh, okay. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And so they were very afraid. Um, the, if they're, all the water that divides Egypt from the Negev, the wilderness, is lower so they can see up. They can see the Pharaoh coming. And, you know, 600 chariots are going to stir up a lot of dust and everything. And um, so they can see him coming. And uh, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? That's the phrase that I always remember is, what, there were no graves for us to be buried in that you have to bring us out to the desert? I wonder if they thought about how he hid the Egyptian in the, buried him in the sand. And they're thinking, you, and want to stir that up again 40 years later and go, yeah, we remember that Egyptian you buried in the sand. You want to bury us in the sand too? Uh, so he said, uh, you brought us away to the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? When did they say that? They have been crying out to the Lord, the Lord. And God said, I've heard their cries. I've, and I brought a deliverer. And the deliverer, magically, all of this works out. And they're actually free. And they've got gold in their pockets. And they go, whoa. They start crying and moaning it. Murmuring and complaining is the way it's called later on. Um, For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And they're essentially saying, just let, let us go back. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. How many times in Scripture does it say, do not be afraid? Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. I wrote it in my Bible, and ever. Forever and ever, you will not see these guys again. That'd be a pretty good bit of water to, for 600 chariots. I agree. So it has to be I agree. They recently found some of those chariots too. Yeah, that's what they said. I heard that. The problem with it being if they had gone down here and crossed the Red Sea, that's, it's a, it's, well, it's 300 miles to here. It's d- d- down to here. It's uh, 20, it's two, uh, 2,500 miles. So if they, somewhere in here, it's between 300 and 2,000 miles. Uh, that would have taken, forever to get there. So something happened up here. Plus, I think that they eventually come to the Great Bitter Sea here. 
that is still called the today, the Great Bitter Sea. And I think the deal is that this is ocean here. That's ocean up there, salt water. And so pushing, well, we didn't have the Suez Canal. The, the, the Suez Canal didn't exist then. So, but there was swampy water all through there. That's what they dug the Suez Canal through. But this is all ocean here, and that seawater filters back up in there. And so it, that brackish water, we have the same thing in the Mississippi River. It's brackish going up into the Mississippi River. It's brackish going up into the rivers in Florida. It's brackish going into the Brazos River in, down in Texas. All that from the Gulf of Mexico, that, that, that salt water creeps up, and I think that's what happened. But there's in between this thing... And Moses says to them, see, don't be afraid, the Lord, uh, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, you'll see him no more. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. All you got to do is just hold on to your peace. Just hold on to your peace. And, uh, and the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord, so God says, Yahweh says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. The, so it's one thing to get the water out of the way so you can go across, but God doesn't even want them to go through with muddy feet. They go on dry ground. Um, Some of and, my, I, when I taught children, I said God made jello. He can gel the water. That, and that's kind of what it looked like in the Ten Commandments that Charlton Heston yeah. was in. It looked like jello on the walls, but. I would have been um, running down the sides. So. Uh, they shall go across on dry ground through the midst of the sea, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I, even the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. So the angel, it's called the angel of God here and whatever it is, it looks like a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Uh, who went, the, that same angel who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, which is what Yvonne just talked about earlier. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So the pillar of cloud. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the, it was a cloud and darkness to the one who? The Egyptians. And it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. So there was a separation in between them so that the Egyptians couldn't see what was going on. Otherwise, I mean, they just were resting up and maybe eating and feeding their horses and getting ready for a big battle the next day and they're fired up. They're probably singing songs and doing, all, you know, drinking or whatever they do, an army does, and they're getting all ready and they're fired up for the next day. They're so angry to keep going. After they just lost everything and they're seeing this huge pillar of fire coming from this people. Well, I don't think they can see it. It caused darkness for them. They could not see anything beyond that, whatever that was. But it was nighttime. And 
it was dark. And so they're going, well, nothing's happening down there. They must be scared. They're afraid to even light a fire. Uh, it's all dark. And, they, and they didn't need to light a fire because there's like this big old searchlight going on. God has created a light for them. And they're seeing and they're lining up and they're getting ready and they're waiting by the edge of the... Red Sea, and the water starts moving away, but they don't go because they're waiting for it to dry. And the the wind and whatever made it happen. Now, I have saw water move and stack up in Lake Pontchartrain, but it never did dry out, no matter what happened. Well, it was a hurricane was going on. so But um, it did not dry out. Whatever this was is absolutely miraculous. And all the stuff where science tries to say, well, maybe this happened... I don't know why science wants to explain miracles. I don't know why science just doesn't just say, well, it didn't even happen. Right. No, they, but they try to explain. Anyway, so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, right there in the middle, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind, so it piles this water up that night and made the sea into dry land. Now, it's one thing to get rid of the flies, but to make it where there's not one single fly left, that's a miracle. And the same thing with, what was it, the, gnat, the gnats and all that, where there's not one single one left. This is that way. It's one thing to get pile that water up and move it where they don't have to go through the water, but they made the land dry. It's just amazing, and which is the way God does stuff. Uh, um made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now, this separation, I've seen it pile up, but that meant there wasn't water on this side. This was water on both sides somehow. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. So the, the Egyptians wake up the next morning and they go, what? What have they done? They're not even there. They're on the other side. Let's get after them. And so they get down there and they get in the water. They get down in the thing. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us. I don't know why they don't have... I mean, there wasn't one single lightning quick mind that goes, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Let's think like, about this. Yeah. Let's get Matt Dean you know, off. Let's get our well, geologist or somebody over here. Really, I would be scared to go down there. And that's the way it is sometimes. You don't want to tell the leader, hold on a minute. But somebody should have. But so that. Uh, that's true. So, uh, And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Go down in there. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. Maybe that's the answer to our question about why didn't somebody say something? He's got them all mixed up. He troubles the army of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels. So... For some reason, their chariot wheels just start falling off. And it says, so they drove them with difficulty. They're still trying to drive their chariots, but God confuses them. I think it's an opportunity for them to stop. But they keep on going anyway. So they drove them with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the... The Egyptians say to him, hold on, let us flee from Israel. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. The Egyptians are saying, hold on, let's not go down in there. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters may come upon the Egyptians on their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared and the sea returned to its full depth, so it's deep, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it, so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. All the army that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained like the flies, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and to their left. Oops, that was the end of a Lord somewhere. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus, that means they all washed up, drowned. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Just like they did when all that stuff happened in Egypt. But how long are that? How long is that going to last? They believed the Lord and His servant Moses, and Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and saying, "Okay, so this is their song. I'll sing to the Lord." They all Moses is singing. I a lot of people that I've known that had stuttering problems. If they sang stuff, they could sing. They could say it's, it. it's medical even now. Yeah. When I was at the nursing home, was I told this little lady, I told her, I said, well, if you sing what you want to say, you can sing it. She said, but she didn't do it. But later, the director gave me a paper that the medicals had come to that conclusion. Yeah, sure. It's real. It's one of the ways that they help people with stuttering. Something about the brain... When you're saying yes. it uses a different part of it. That's right. That's absolutely right. So they sing this song. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. And they're supposed to remember a song. How many of you can remember songs from when you were a kid? We sang that in the past. I remember John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith, and, which isn't helpful at all. But they, they sang this song and, I, they, and part of that's to remember. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song and my, my song. And he has become my salvation. I remember singing that song. He is my God and I'll praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's church is his army. He's cast in the sea. He's, uh, his chosen captains are also drowned in the sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And they blah, 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 and so on and so forth. It's a long song. Who is like you, O Lord, among all the gods? Who is like you, glorious in his holiness? So on and so forth. To... Uh, and, and they're talking about how it's going to affect other people. People will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants, uh, inhabitants of Philistia, the Philistines. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. That was those are the descendants of uh, the of Esau. Yeah, the the mighty men of Moab. Trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. If only they had remembered this song when they came to Kadesh Barnea. 
Because that did happen when they come to Jericho and, Re- and Rahab the harlot says, we've been worried about y'all for, year, for 40 years, but they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, so all of that's going to happen. Uh, the sanctuary of the Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh went, in the, went with his chariots and his horsemen in the sea, yeah, blah, 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 so on. But then Miriam, the prophetess, uh, in in the book of, uh, what what is it? Um, oh, I, I called the, uh, the Pharaoh's army getting drowned. I called it the 11th plague because it's kind of, kind of, I mean, you know, it's an, it's an addition. The Lord, it's like the appendix to the 10, uh, to the 10 plagues is it's an addition to that. Uh, so uh, Miriam, uh, oh, I'm already, we're in chapter 15, sorry. Um, in Micah 6, 4, uh, it said Miriam is listed as one of the deliverers, not, not just Moses and Aaron, mm-hmm. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, the sister. I, that's what I thought you were going to talk about the book of Jasher, because I read the book of Jasher. And- in the Apocrypha? Uh, no, it's a, t- a totally separate. That's it. Oh, okay. It's a but it is book. mentioned in the Bible. Okay. Being, but it's 